Well, good morning, y'all. Y'all good? It's uh, good to be back speaking a bit. Um, I always appreciate my time off uh, because it allows me just to be able to come to church and just enjoy what's created here every Sunday morning, and I don't take that for granted. It's a pretty uh, special place, so I appreciate that. Um, You know, as I've been uh, reflecting in my time off, I've just been thinking about this last 18 months, and I really feel like it's taken a toll on a lot of us, and it's, it's taken a toll in, um, I, I would say that it's had a profound effect on the church, and by church I mean beyond Westridge, the church as a whole, and truly our individual spirituality as I talk to people who have gone through this thing, and so Next week is uh, birthday Sunday. We'll be celebrating our 23rd or 24th or whatever it is. Um, And uh, I'm going to launch a new series called uh, Reboot because I think that's really exactly uh, what we need right now. But as a precursor to that this morning, I want to spend a few minutes just having a discussion around the potential of the loss of what I would describe as passion that so many of us have experienced through this pandemic and how we might be able to remedy that a bit um, because so many of us have, I think, become apathetic to our spirituality to the point that truly it concerns me for all of us because truth is I feel it too. I mean, I've, I've felt that loss of spirituality in my own life. So, um, so that's what we're going to be doing and working through that over the next several weeks. I, I, um, one of my favorite passages in the Bible is when somebody comes up to Jesus and he just gets down to it and they say, what is the greatest commandment of all? And he says, look, there's no question. Like, if you're going to get one thing right in this world, what would it be? And it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart and your mind and your soul. This is it, right? This is the whole crux of the Christian faith right here in a nutshell. And it's, it's basically saying that it's taking everything about who you are, what you do, everything that is in your heart. In other words, everything that makes you uniquely you. And just pouring that all into one thing. And that one thing is loving God. It's about living our life with such a passion for God that it goes way beyond just doing the motions of going to church or doing religion. It goes way beyond um, just being a good person. It's about pouring your whole self into loving God in such a way that it completely changes the trajectory of your life. And so as we're going to see... All of us, at the end of the day, we're all giving our lives for something. And the question is for each of us, what is it that you're giving your life for? So I would uh, contend, as, as we kind of get back into this idea of this developing this lack of passion and almost apathy, uh, I would contend that the number one reason that so many of us have become apathetic or stalled out in our spirituality over the last 18 months is because there is just like so much stinking noise over this, through this whole pandemic. I mean, there's a lot of distractions. There's a lot of junk going on, a lot of false talk. And it 
a lot of that has just dragged us down. And, you know, I think a lot of us are still even kind of looking around going, you know, what does this thing look like when we come out of it? What's the new normal that everybody talks about? And um, through that, I just really feel like um, a lot of us have become disconnected with God. I think that's the reality of it. And as a result of that, whether it's conscious or unconscious, we tend to wake up every day and we make a decision to fill our days with something other than the stuff of God. And so our days become full of the stuff of work or the stuff of kids or the stuff of just plain old being busy for busy's sake, just to try to like create a sense of busyness. But whatever it is, we're all filled up with the stuff of life to the point that we have pushed our spirituality so far out of our lives that you know, it's not even detectable anymore. And I think, I think it's an issue. I really do. And how then do we turn that around? How do we begin to live differently and change the purpose of our life from just walking through life mindlessly, which I'm afraid that a lot of us fall into that category where we're just mindlessly walking through our days, right? We're caught up in the daily grind. We're not thinking about anything and we're just kind of just doing life mindlessly. How do we move from that to walking every day with God with more of a sense of intentionality and purpose, realizing that life is short? In the ancient times of kings and prophets and droughts and plagues comes a story about how God works in our lives. And in the book of 2 Kings, there was this uh, prophet named Elisha who had a direct connect to God. And he was told by God to go to the home of this widow who was on the verge of her life was on the verge of falling apart. She was on the verge of losing her family. And when it looked like she was going to lose everything, God shows up for her in the form of the person of Elisha. And so in 2 Kings chapter 4, starting with verse 1, it says, The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he loved God. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Now, it's pretty apparent from this, this woman is going through a hard time. She sounds a little resentful and has every right to be resentful. I mean, her husband, it sounds like, was a faithful follower of God. It sounds like he was even part and maybe even worked for Elisha the prophet. He served God faithfully. And look where it got him. He's dead She's broke, and now she's about to lose the rest of her family. This widow is in a situation where her back is up against the wall. And she had no means of earning any income, and the bank is coming to not only take their home, but in those days, the way that you pay off debt is that they actually take your kids to work as slaves to pay off your debt for the rest of their lives until that debt is paid off which actually sounds like a pretty good plan to me. And I have a couple kids that I would gladly give up. Uh, in chapter 4, verse 2, it goes on, and Elisha says, well, how can I help you? Tell me, 
what do you have in your house? Now, what kind of question is that, what do you have in your house? I mean, we already know that she has nothing. So why would he ask, what do you have in your house? When you ask for God's help and you ask God to come in your life, you have to be prepared to answer that question. What do you have in your house? How much capacity do you have? What are you giving God to work with? I'm sure the widow was thinking to herself, good prophets are really hard to come by these days because this guy's a little slow. I just told him I have nothing. But then all of a sudden it occurs to her, wait, I do have something. She says, I have a small jar with just a little bit of olive oil. Now here is where the story begins to take a twist. Just when you think all is hopeless, this woman comes up with a small jar of oil. Now, oil in that day was used as a currency, and it was a precious commodity, much like gold is thought of today. And so this woman had the tiniest amount of oil that she had left. It was everything that she owned. That was it. There's one thing about God working in us. When he asks, what's in your house? What do you have to work with? I think of the small boy who came to Jesus with the five loaves and the two fish, and Jesus fed 5,000. He uses whatever we have to work with. And it's never too small for God to do incredibly big things in our lives. Well, receiving direction from God, Elisha told her to do something a little strange. He says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go around to all your neighbors and I want you to collect as many jars, as many empty jars as you can get your hands on. Don't ask for a few, ask for as many as you can get. Then go inside, shut the door with your kids and fill each and every one of those jars. And as each jar is filled, put it off to the side. Now I imagine that this is a pretty odd request, right? And the thing about God working in us, he doesn't really much care what your neighbor thinks about you or what your friends, if they think you're crazy or some religious fanatic because you're following what God asks us to do. He just asks us to follow him wholeheartedly, right? And I imagine that this is a similar case where the widow is thinking Elisha is a little bit nuts at this point to go out and get all of these empty jars. What good is that going to do me? Or maybe she just has more faith than I would have in this moment because she up and does it. But what a strange ask to go around the neighborhood, to borrow as many empty jars as she could get her hands on and to pour this tiny little bit of oil, all that she had into all of these jars that she's collected. Don't underestimate what a huge act of faith this is. This little bit of oil is all she has, and she's being asked to pour it all out into all of these jars where it will lose its entire value, right? This is probably represents the last little bit of money that she has to buy a last meal with her kids before they're taken, and she loses her home, and now he wants her to pour all of that out. It took guts. I really believe that it takes courage and inner fortitude to follow God. Because sometimes he asks us to go counter to this culture and do things that nobody else will understand 
why it is we're doing them. These empty jars that she collected, I'm going to describe as being metaphors for our lives. A jar that is empty has very little value, right? A jar that's filled with all nasty stuff is even worse. But a jar that is full of something precious, that has great value. That's something worth keeping. However, before we can do that, the important thing to remember is that in order to fill our jar, the jar has to be empty. And so if the jar of our life is filled with all the wrong stuff, that has to get emptied out before we can fill it with the right stuff. Well, it goes on in verse 5, and it says, She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her. She just kept on pouring oil, just kept pouring. Finally, when all the jars were full, she said to her sons, Bring me another one. But they replied, There is not one jar left. And it was then that the oil stopped flowing. So the widow and her sons filled the house with every jar and container that they could get their hands on. And the miracle was that the oil just kept on flowing and flowing and flowing until there was more oil that was beyond their wildest imagination. But when they finally ran out of space, the oil stopped. And so she went and she told the man of God, she told Elisha everything that had happened. He said, okay. It sounds like you're good now. So go and sell the oil and pay off your debts and then you and your sons live off of the rest that you make. Here's like the point of the story. When you run out of capacity, it stops. When you run out of space for God because you have filled your life with all the wrong stuff, God stops flowing into your life because there's just no room for him in your life. You have no capacity for him in your life. And so we lose that connection, and we lose that connection, we lose the passion that we have and any sense of spirituality that we might have once had. And just like he asked that widow to trust him and pour out everything that he had, he asked us to do the same. He asks us to pour out of our lives all of the stuff that we can so that we can create more capacity to pour into our lives the stuff that's more valuable, to exchange stuff that has no meaning in our lives for the stuff that actually has meaning in our lives. I would argue that the emptying out part of the Christian life is the hardest part. Because we love a lot of that stuff, don't we? We love a lot of the stuff of this world. We love a lot of the stuff that we fill our jars with. It makes us comfortable. And to empty that out to create capacity, that's what we would call a sacrifice. We have jammed up our lives with so much junk that there is no capacity in our lives for God. And the letting go of all of that junk is letting go of all the stuff that has no meaning. And this is the thing. When we finally empty out our jar 
and we're in a place where we have capacity to be in a relationship with God, God makes it very clear. He wants to be the only thing in that jar. To love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind. Everything. Single focused in loving God. And it starts with filling the jar of our lives with stuff like Bible study and prayer. Putting God back into everything that we do. And when that happens, our spirituality begins to permeate every aspect of our lives. And when it does, the trajectory of our lives begins to change. Let me be honest. You know, most of the time, and I say this all the time because at least this is true in my life. There is no big wow factor in our walk with God. No big wave of emotion that causes me to grow. There is no magical formula where God can snap his fingers and boom, now I'm super spiritual. It's just plain old walking every day in Jesus. It's every day getting up and making a decision that we're going to fill that day with the stuff of God rather than the stuff of everything else. As I read my Bible, Jesus never promises us a rose garden. He never promises us it'll be easy. And for me, who is a skeptic and faith does not come naturally for me, like it is tough for me every day to get up and to make a commitment to the stuff of God. But that's where we begin to fill our jars of our lives up with the right stuff. It's just showing up every day. It's showing up in church every Sunday and making that a priority because that gives us the weekly connection that we need. And when we're here, it's showing up in our time of worship. It's showing up in the time of offering through our faith. It's just showing up in a community group or in serving or whatever it is. And the biggest part I think of the Christian faith is to empty ourselves of the meaningless stuff and to begin to fill the jars up with the stuff of God. And when we do, that ignites that flame. That ignites that passion that we feel like we've been losing because we get so filled up with the stuff of God. It changes everything. And by the way, it's not just one of those things that contribute to spiritual growth. It's the whole thing. Right? It's not just church or Bible or prayer or small group or ministry. It's, it's a lifestyle because God is asking to be the only thing in that jar. I have to admit to you that I struggle with this in my own life. You know, I, I, I struggle with you know, personal time of meditation and taking time out of my day to read my Bible and to pray and again, it's, it's like a lot of work for me. But I know and I've seen it where I've lost my passion and I've got to get it back. I've got to restore my spirituality. And so over the next you know, four or five, six weeks, that's what we're going to be working through is really putting that back together. And as I say all the time, I preach these sermons for me. And if you get anything out of it, that's great. But it's really kind of a self-therapy session for me up here. And for me, I need to restore my passion. I got to put it back together. I got to get the apathy out of my life and really get 
reignited in my passion for the spirituality of my life to love the Lord my God with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind. I, I don't know where you're at. Maybe I'm the only one, but I, I don't have the secret to like, you know, flipping the switch and making you passionate about God, but best I can figure it really is this getting up every day and making a commitment to just showing up in the ways of God, to filling our lives up with the stuff of God. And so as we kind of come to this crossroads, as we begin this journey over the next few weeks, I just, you know, ask yourself to, you know, just to ask yourself this question. If you knew your time on this earth is limited, and by the way, it is. Life is really short, and we forget that. But if it was real for you, and you look at the jar of your life, what do you know that's in that jar that you need to get rid of? What do you know that you need to push out so that you can create capacity? And what do you need to do to get that jar full of all the right stuff? How would you live differently? Who do you want to become? Is it possible that you can become the person and you can walk out of this world and into the next knowing that you have done everything you can to love the Lord your God with everything in you?